Awesome. Woo. How many are excited? It's Easter week. I, I'm also excited that there is a lot of sunshine right now. How many of you are excited? Yeah, sunshine. I have to admit, when the sun shines, it does kind of lift your mood a little bit. I probably wouldn't do good living in uh, Seattle or somewhere that rained all the time. So I'd have to provide my own sunshine. I don't know what I would do, but I would find a way somehow. But anyway, God bless you guys. How many have been enjoying this series, The Art of Neighboring? <coughs> I've been loving it and just really focusing on how we reach people that we love, people that we don't know. And you know, Pastor Steve and I were talking about it. Many of you don't realize our church, a lot of how our church began happened right in our house. We had a storefront where we met for our Sunday services, but we had Bible studies. We had prayer meetings. We had our first harvest party, which meant that our, uh, in our dining room, attached to the chandelier was a pinata, and kids were hitting that and getting candy out of it in our house. Our house was a place where people would move in when they were coming to maybe become part of our church, and they would stay with us for a week, a month, sometimes three or four months at a time, and that's gone on kind of all through our lives. In fact, uh, Pastor Natalie probably shared her bedroom more than any of the other kids. And so I would say, Natalie, uh, you have your own room. So-and-so's coming. It won't be very long. Three months later, boom, there, there they were. But she was always a good sport, and it was awesome. But our home has been just a place, a tool that we were able to really invite people and love people and invite friends as well as strangers into our home. And we're going to talk about that today because it's a tool that God has given us. You know, each week we've been kind of adding to our, uh, our tool belt and we learned about in learning people's names. How many of you have been getting some more names of people in your neighborhood? Awesome. I've been hearing some great testimonies about that. And last week, Pastor Steve shared on really getting to know people's story, going a little deeper. He was talking about Lloyd and LaVonda and Sean, if you remember them, and how we would go to their house for dinner. And I think when we were talking, they would actually come over to our house. It was like an every other week thing. And we would share a meal and we would just play, he'd play chess and I would talk or play a rummy or different things. And God moved and they, they became followers of Jesus Christ. So it's so cool to look at that. And, and today I want to talk to you about how we can use the, the, the best tools that God has given us that I can just about promise you, every one of you has at least one of these tools, if not all three, to use in the art of neighboring. And that first one is really home sweet home. How many of you live somewhere? Okay. Uh, if it's a car, if it's an apartment, if it's a townhouse, if it's a mansion on a hill, we have a home and you have a place that you can use. You know, in America, we have kind of a different view of our homes than they did in Bible times and actually than they do in many cultures. In America, how many of you have heard the phrase, your home is your castle? And sometimes our castles have moats and bridges and a lot of ways it makes it very difficult for anyone to get in. You know, some homes in America have signs, no solicitor, don't knock on the door, guard dog. You know, this home guarded by, what is it, Smith & Wesson, three days of the week, guess which ones. That is so inviting. That just, that's just so inviting. And, uh, you know, in the, in the Bible times and even in many cultures, they don't have hotels and Airbnbs and they don't have uh, those kinds of things. And their home is something that's quite open. You know, in the Bible, there's a strong emphasis on this beautiful word called hospitality. And uh, hospitality, if you aren't familiar with the term, how many have heard of the word hospital? Hospital. 
They don't just sound alike, they're actually from the same root. That hospitality, just like hospitals are places for healing and health and, and to be cared for. You know, when I've been in the hospital, I've had really great nurses and doctors that personally cared for me. And the word hospitality is actually that same word because our homes and our actions of hospitality are actually meant to be acts of healing. Acts that draw people in and bring them in. And uh, I think it's something that God wants to add to us. I, when I was preparing for this message, I was thinking about Mary and Martha and Lazarus. I don't know if you follow the life of Jesus, but they really became some of his best friends. And do you know one of the greatest gifts they gave him? It was an open home. And I went to, actually went this morning because I was thinking about it. And I was saying, God, where, how did Jesus meet them? How did their intimate friendship begin? How did this relationship that would ultimately um, result in Lazarus being raised from the dead, how did it begin? And I want to read you that verse. I didn't give it to them upstairs, uh, but I'll read it to you. It's in Luke 10, 38 and 39. Listen to this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha, listen to these simple, oh, they got it, opened her home to them or welcomed him into her home. Martha welcomed Jesus and his disciples into her home. This ragtag bunch, that meant she fed them, she took care of them. Sometimes she worked so hard she actually complained about it. But, you know, it was that, that simple act of hospitality that opened the door to literally a divine connection that would have literally eternal impact on her life. And, you know, in Hebrews 13, verses 1 and 2, we're told this. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. You know, angels, it basically means messengers, and we may have entertained literal angels, but you know, sometimes people think about Jesus. Could there be a better messenger to have welcomed into your home than the Lord Jesus Christ himself? And you know, that's the spirit of hospitality. It's a spirit of welcome. It's a spirit that says, come in to my life, into my home, and let me share what I have with you. It doesn't have to be fancy, but it's literally my life. And as we get farther in this message, I think you're going to find people are longing for you to open your home to them to open your life to them they're longing people are lonely people are 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 without so much hope and there's something about that simple act of hey do you want some you want some popcorn you want to come in my house you want to talk do you want to be a part of my life that really opens the door? Romans 12, 13 says this, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. And I love this phrase, always in, in ESV it says, seek to show hospitality. In NLT it says, always be eager to practice hospitality. I don't know about you, I'm not always eager. To, you know, sometimes it's hard work. Sometimes I'm more like Martha. Oh, my goodness. My house is going to get messed up. Look at my carpet. Pastor Stephen, he knows me. So he actually had to tell me when we bought our new couch, honey, people are going to sit on it. Things are going to happen. Actually, within the first week, I think Johnny accidentally spilled hot chocolate but got it off before I saw it. So there was no heart attack or I didn't have to go to the hospital uh, from that. But, but literally, he, he told me this. And, and you know this is quite a gift from my husband who doesn't really like to spend money. Honey, every few years, every four to five years, we probably will have to replace that couch. So relax. Woo! Yes. I have that written down, dated, in my phone. And uh, yeah, baby. 
So at, at uh, and if it lasts an extra year, that's okay. He can pray that. But seriously, and you know, there's a really excellent book that I read on this called uh, The Gospel Comes with the House Key. You've heard me reference it quite a bit. And it's a beautiful testimony of this woman who was from an alternate lifestyle. And this pastor and his wife would have these sing-alongs in their home. And she wasn't open to the gospel at that point. She actually thought they were kind of loony bin, but she loved the singing. And so she would come and she would sing. And what she encountered in that home besides the music was this love that she couldn't get away from. And she would go back to her friends that were also in their lifestyle and she would kind of snicker and laugh and kind of, kind of, uh, you know, mock these pastors. But every week she'd go back every time. And, and over a period of time, God just began to move on her heart and she began to get in the word of God and she began to read. And guess what happened? She was saved. She was transformed. And now her heart, her message is that the gospel is best preached with a house key when people open their lives and say, come on in. And this is her definition of radical hospitality. Listen to it. Radically ordinary hospitality is this, using your Christian home in a daily way that seeks to make strangers neighbors and neighbors family of God. It brings glory to God, serves others, and lives out the gospel in word and deed. Wow. It makes strangers neighbors, neighbors family of God, and brings glory to God. Wow, that's what's happening. You know, as Pastor Steve was giving that amazing prophetic word, you know what I really believe? That part of the way the glory of the Lord fills the earth as the waters cover the sea is when we let the glory of God begin to flow out of our lives when we begin to let the power of the gospel begin to flow out of our lives, you know, you can shut down a lot of social networks, but you can't really shut down the homes very easily. You can take me off Facebook and everything else, but you can't take my face off my body without killing me. And so uh, I, can, I can share and love, and it's pretty free and it's pretty unstoppable. And that's, I really believe, how, how God is giving us a gift to be able to share and, and love with our neighbors. You know, the Apostle Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians 2.8 when he was ministering to the people in uh, Thessalonica. He said, we loved you so much. And this moves me. He said that we shared with you not only God's good news. Man, the gospel's powerful. The good news is powerful. And you and I sitting in this room, we know it. And if you don't know it yet, we're going to give you an opportunity because, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is powerful. But Paul didn't stop there. In fact, I don't think he actually started there. He did this. We opened and shared our own lives too. There's something about just saying, come to my house. Zacchaeus did that with Jesus. Come to my house. Or actually Jesus said, I'm coming to your house. And, and Zacchaeus opened up and life came. Do you know what happens when you open your life? It's vulnerable. There's a lot of things people see. You know, we have a Monday night group and I used to worry really much because I have a connect group there on Sunday night and they do a really good job cleaning it. But there's still stuff sometimes on the floor and I'm at work all day and I rush in and I get my soup out and I look and there's still stuff on the kitchen floor. And, you know, there's a smudge on the microwave and, you know, the old me was like, nobody can come because just get the, get the moat, get the gate, get it all. But I realized, you know what, in all the time we've had our group, not one person has ever gone you know, you really need to sweep this floor. <laughs> you know, your garbage can is a little bit full. Your microwave inside has crumbs. You know what I've found? 
they're just happy to be there. They're just happy. The wives are happy they didn't have to cook dinner. And the husbands are happy that they're having soup. But, you know, it, it's powerful. And I, I was just praying this morning, and I feel like God told me, there is an anointing of hospitality on this house. Can I tell you what? You guys are like third or fourth generation. There's anointing every time it comes. Because Pastor Steve and I both came from a long line of super hospitable people. Both his parents and my parents we lived, they, we lived this life. Our home had people in it all the time. I learned how to be hospital. I'm so thankful from my mom and dad. And Pastor Steve's mom and dad were so hospitable. Both sets of our parents took people in their homes to live. Both sets of our parents, there was always enough food. There was always warmth. There was always an open door. And so when we came to plant the church, that was just kind of, that was the only vehicle we really had. We didn't have a lot of money. We had really funky chairs. We had an overhead projector. We had an ugly building. But guess what we had? We had a home. We had our hearts and we had the next tool, which is we had a table. You know, I was remembering when I was praying for a house. When we first moved to town, we got this little house and I was so excited. Pastor Steve roofed and painted it so that our rent would be reduced. And, uh, but it was really small and mold grew on the walls. And I'd never seen that because I was from California. And I remember calling my mom, I'm a horrible housekeeper. Mold is growing on the walls. What have I done? And it was because there was no foundation. And I'd never had to scrub mold off a wall before in my whole life. And, uh, so I began to pray for another home. And you know what I prayed for? I asked God to give us a house where we could have a really big table. And the house that we got, most of you wouldn't remember it, it was on uh, Oakdale Street. But literally from the kitchen and the dining room and the living room, you could stretch a table probably 20 feet. Uh, and, ha and we literally did that sometimes. We would have uh, ladies' Bible studies there. We would have, you know, different meetings. And, and that was one of the most important things to me. And we didn't have a great table. We had a small table, so we would add tables and funny chairs, and it was funky. But you know what? That's where this church began. And there is an anointing of hospitality on you because you belong here. And I really believe that as you tap into that, you're going to find that when you open your home and you open your life, there's going to be some funky things that happen. That's just life. But there's going to be some beautiful things that happen around your table, around in your home as you gather people together. You know, I want to read you a couple of, uh, a couple of statistics that were quite moving to me um, about eating together. A third of weekday evening meals are eaten in isolation. The average adult eats 10 out of 21 meals alone every week. That means about 50%. More than two-thirds of those questioned had never shared a meal with any of their neighbors, and 37% had never eaten with the community uh, group. 50, uh, a fifth of the people said it had been more than six months since they'd shared a meal with their parents. It also said that uh, one in eight said it had been more than six months since they'd shared a lunch with friends or family, either at their home, in a cafe, a pub, or restaurant. And a fifth of those questioned had not eaten an evening meal out with a good friend or family member for more than six months. Even when living with others, the opportunity to sit down and enjoy a meal can be rare. And those over the age of 55 are most likely to eat alone. One in four in this age group said that's what happens to them. Listen to this quote from Professor Robin Dunbar from the University of Oxford's Experimental Psychology Department. 
We know from previous studies that social networks are important in combating mental and physical illness. A significant property or proportion of respondents felt that having a meal together was an important way of making or reinforcing these social, uh, these social networks. In these increasingly fraught times, how many would say that COVID probably has jumped that by, by a huge significant amount? where community cohesion is ever more important, making time for and joining in communal meals, look at this, is perhaps the single most important thing we can do, both for our own health and well-being and for that of the wider community. Wow. That's a secular psychologist saying, just sitting down at a table and eating together may be the single most important thing you can do to help people with their their mental and even physical health. And yet we as Christians have so much more than just our lasagna and our pasta to give. Or for you, maybe it's your tortillas and your, you know, and, and I, but whatever it is, you have life to give. And I, I wrote down three things because I think sometimes we can get intimidated about hospitality. Um, I think just being honest, sometimes people that are quite good at hospitality, I'm not, I'm not bragging, but I have done a lot of hospitality. Sometimes we're intimidating to people because they go, well, look, you did that and I can't do that. So take all that off the table. Let me just say this. Do, do you. Stay in your zone. If popcorn and ice water is the best thing you can serve, do it with joy. You know, there's a scripture that talks about um, better is a dry crust eaten in peace than a house filled with feasting and conflict. Atmosphere matters. So stay in your zone. Do what you do good. If you're, you know, Luke and Emily can make a charcuterie board that is just beautiful. My charcuterie boards don't look very good. I can, I'm like my dad. We can make food taste good, but looking good is another story because we're not very artistic. But you know what? Do what you do. Popcorn and just letting people in your home. Throw some, throw some tube steaks on the grill and invite people over. But have that, that, that beauty of inviting people into your world. And use that table. You know, in our family, our family table was one of the most important parts of our, of our world. And it still is. Last night, we were, uh, Pastor Steve and I and Johnny and Troy were there. And we ate our, we, we grilled some um, pork chops and had some uh, coleslaw and fried potatoes. Real simple. But we probably stayed out for an hour having a theological discussion on the Trinity and on all kinds of, and it was awesome. Just the table, the power of a table. You know, when you feed the body, you feed the soul. And I, I just encourage you, use your home. Use your, um, use your table. Our, our connect groups, when we say group is life, that's not just a fun little slogan, woo, group is life. It's really true. Group is life. When you recognize how many people are isolated and alone and need a place that they can call family, that they can call home, and, and we use it in so many ways, God's going to give you creative ideas for how to invite people into your world. And, you know, the, the third thing we have that I believe is so powerful as a tool is we have our health community, which is our church. You know, the body of Christ is meant to be part of that hospitality where people come in. We get the comments. I've had one of the, the, the we, don't get a, we don't get a lot of complaints where people come in. They say we're really friendly. One I have had is you guys are so friendly that sometimes it's like, whoa, you're like so friendly. I'd rather be accused of that than go. I've gone to churches where you go in and they don't say a word to you. 
And I've heard people say they've gone for literally months, if not longer, and not had anyone even say hello. And so it's important that we use this place as a place of, ho of hospitality, a place of healing, a place of health. Look at this verse, uh, so familiar to us, but I want you to note in these verses I'm going to read right now from Acts 2, I want you to note how much hospitality had a part in the New Testament church. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and, what's the next part? To fellowship. And to sharing in meals, including the Lord's suppers, and to prayer. Look what happened. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miracles, miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper <clears throat> and shared their meals, I love it, with great joy and generosity. And look at the result. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You know, it says being saved. I'd have to go back and study the Greek, but I think sometimes people get added to our fellowship. <coughs> Excuse me. And they're still in the process of being saved. They might even answer an altar call. They might raise their hand, but they're still being brought into the family. And, you know, that's part of why it's so important that there's a spirit of hospitality. You know, when we had our kids and they were born, they, weren't, they, they came out as like little naughty heads, kind of, to be honest. Every kid does, right? Have you ever had a two-year-old? But you don't kick them out of the family because they're not full-grown. It's part of the joy of the family that they're nurtured and they're, they're met. And that's what happens in the health community that we are a part of. You know, let's make this place, and I believe you do it. I'm so proud of you. Joy Church, you are an incredible, hospitable, warm bunch of people. But I think God is asking us to kick it up a notch. Do you know why? Because our world, the, the degradation, the loneliness, the isolation is kicking up a notch. And people are longing for fellowship. You know, hearing different ones of you that have already been going around and talking to your neighbors. And, you know, we had our neighbor next door and she, you know, she's talking about, can we start some meet and greets for our neighborhood? I mean, that why people want community. And you and I have the ability and we have to make room in our world for that. So here's kind of a plan of action. Let me just speak this to you. Number one, and this actually wasn't in my notes, but I'm going to tell you, draw on the spirit of hospitality, the anointing of hospitality that's on this house. Get some, if you are struggling with it, get some prayer. Have someone pray for you, but step out, get in the water, because God is with you, and his Holy Spirit, he wants to reach people even more than you do. Jesus lived hospitality. His whole strategy was bringing people into his world and into his life, and they became world changers. They didn't have radio. They didn't have internet. They didn't have so many of the things that we have, and yet what were they able to do? They were able to literally change the world so that within 300 years, the, the then known world was literally saturated with the gospel of Jesus Christ, so much so that it became the, the, basically the state religion of Rome. How? Person to person, house to house, word shared, meals shared, love shared. 
you know, I wish, I don't have time to tell you the significant healing and powerful things that came from the church. Did you know hospitals, uh, so, uh, hospice, uh, university, so many powerful life-giving things came from the church because the church recognized there were needs and found ways to fill them. You know, I'm doing my, my master's degree right now. One of the classes is in sociology, and it talks about all the social needs. And I, can I tell you what it's done for me? It's made me realize, church, every one of us have gifts and callings. We need to get our voice out there into this world, into the marketplace, into the educational facilities, into the workplace, because we have answers that no one else has. We have the answer of Jesus. But it's not going to come because we put out a slick brochure, even those are great. It's not going to come just because we have great services. It's going to come because we open our life in the area of expertise that we have. Engineer to engineer, you know, uh, mechanic to mechanic, educator to educator. And we begin to transfer this life. Amen? And so what's my encouragement to, to you? First, pray. Ask God to increase your compassion for the lost. I've been asking for that. God, take the shackles off my eyes. Increase my compassion. Stir my heart. Help me to see the need and to, be into, to move into it. And then just start. And I believe we're doing that. Reviewing that card that you got the first week, those neighbors. You know, send that text. Knock on that door. Invite that person. And begin to use these tools. Your home, your table, your church. And build those relationships so that people will come and, and find, find relationship. And hopefully, our prayer is they're going to find Jesus. But you know what? If they don't find Jesus, and that would be tragic, at least we will know that we got the message to them and that we gave them, we gave them something to believe in even here on earth, the love of God. The love of God is powerful. Can I pray for you? Yeah. How many, your heart is, as you've been hearing these last three weeks, your heart is really stirred that you want to reach people. You know, I'm freshly stirred. I'm freshly stirred to, to think of strategies and ways. I'm freshly stirred just to be, you know, more open. And, and I, I, I am really thrilled with what God's doing in our body. Can we just, can you just kind of lift your hands like a cup? I know I, I always do kind of crazy things like that. But I'm just going to ask God to just, just flood us with a fresh anointing. I really believe it's an anointing. I don't think Jesus wastes words in the New Testament. And to put as much emphasis on hospitality, to live it, to exhibit it, I think it's important to him. Father, I just pray that, Lord, that anointing for hospitality, that anointing for, like the Apostle Paul, to open our lives and to share them with those around us, both stranger and friend. Lord, we want to have those homes of radical hospitality that cause strangers to become friends and friends to become part of the family of God. God, let it be in us. God, let a fresh creativity, let a fresh anointing, let a fresh just sense of urgency <coughs> hit our hearts. God, let us use what's in our hand. Lord, our barbecue, our popcorn popper, our conversation, our chessboard, our, or whatever it is, God, that we might be those that are eager, eager to practice hospitality. And Lord, we don't know that we're inter not entertaining angels unaware, God. Lord, we don't know the future apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, showers of hospitality that are being raised in our homes, that are being welcomed in our homes. And so God, let us take it seriously. 
Lord, we love you so much and we, we need you. God, this is not just a natural thing. It's natural, but it's, it's, it, it's so much better when it's anointed by your Holy Spirit, God. Thank you. Let that grace fall on us. Can you just say that with me? Let that grace of hospitality fall on me. Let that grace come deep in my heart. God, just t- let, let us kind of take the moats away from out of our house, the, the drawbridges, and let us say, let us see the gospel comes with a house key. It's challenging, it's not easy, but God, it's so, it's so beautiful when we live that way. Thank you, Jesus. You know, right now, some of you are in this room and maybe you have never met Jesus Christ. Maybe you're hearing this message and you're still in that place where you feel isolation and you don't know that if you died today that you would go and be with the Lord in heaven. You don't know <coughs> that you have a family. You don't know that you have a God that loves you and a Savior that died for you. You know, today is Palm Sunday and we're celebrating the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ who within a few short days in this week would be giving his life as a ransom for us to, to buy us back, to pay for our sins so that we could live eternally and have relationship with God and be part of a family. And if you're here today, I want to just tell you, today's the best day to receive Jesus. Today's the day of salvation. And I want to give you that opportunity. So if everyone would just close their eyes. Lord, we're not trying to embarrass you, but we want to, we want to give you that opportunity to receive Jesus. And so today I'm asking you, if that's you, would you raise your hand? Would you just say, I want Jesus. I want to be part of the family. I want to receive that salvation, that blood that was shed for me to pay for my sins. God is calling you. He loves you. And today is that day. Come on, all over this room, is there anybody here that's raising their hands? Thank you, Jesus on the internet, on our live stream, if you're there. We're going to pray right now. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but if that's you, God will hear your prayer. And we're going to just pray this prayer. If you'd repeat after me, we're going to receive Jesus. You know, even though I've been a Christian a long time, every time I pray this prayer, I'm receiving Jesus fresh because I need my Savior. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you gave your life for me. You died on the cross and shed your blood so that my sins could be forgiven, so that I could have a new life, and that I could be part of your family. If you will be my God, I will be your child. Lord, I thank you for this beautiful salvation that you have offered to me. And today, I receive you as my Savior. I receive you as my Lord. And I come into your family today as your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord.